following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Which, you know, I share my inspirations of music from time to time. And last week, last month, I think there was a little Christian rap mixed in there and country music from time to time and contemporary Christian music. You're going to hear a little bit about uh, from Rocky Balboa today. Uh, but most of all, our message, the message today is, is it's Jesus' final appeal, his impassioned call. And so that's kind of the the look. We come out, we're coming, we're coming out of Thanksgiving Thursday and, uh, you know, um, I, my, I asked my students, you know, if you had to rank Thanksgiving in the, you know, the, the hierarchy of holidays, where would it fall? And, and most, most said third, second or third. There was a few conscientious objectors, uh, because of their dislike for family and whatnot. Uh, there was a way too many who stuck Halloween in there, number two. Um, but Christmas was mostly first. Uh, and there was a few Fourth of Julys that were put at the top of the list, uh, which I found interesting as well. Uh, and I always loved Thanksgiving because uh, it always meant, like, you know, kind of an, usually meant an extended period, extended holiday with with family and for years we used to travel and so we see my sister and then all of our kids would get together and that was so special looking back because we miss it you know it's they're all grown now and um but but the reality of it is is that you know you have thursday many people have friday off or can arrange to have friday off and then you have the weekend and so sometimes you have you know you can look at it from a, a four-day experience Whereas Christmas and Christmas Eve really depends on when it falls, right? If it falls on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, it might in the middle, you know, it, it can be very different. And so uh, I appreciated it for that, kind of a, a secular point of view. And as I got older in my faith, I started to kind of really drill down on what I was thankful for. And the truth is, you know, America celebrates Thanksgiving and God had his hand in all of it. Um, and yes, there's some negative connotations that are going to be associated with that. But this is an American holiday that was created out of God bringing people through tough times, sustaining them through tough, tough times, blessing them through challenges. And, you know, it started in Plymouth Rock. And I don't know if you've ever seen Plymouth Rock. If any of you ever seen it, it's not that big. Uh, it's... I probably I can't say I would could carry it, but I could wrap my pretty much wrap my arms around it. Uh, and uh, the, you know the the kind of the mindset of the of the Mayflower and you know coming on to the to the shores and them stepping off onto the rock, kind of a stretch because it's like it's like a hundred yards away, so they'd have to have some really long legs uh, to make it to the Plymouth Rock. But nonetheless, it was it was significant for what it meant. Uh, the interactions with the the Wampanoag trial, tribe, which is the tribe of Indians that you know still some hold a grudge uh, of of what happened, their experiences over many years. But the initial experience um, of Thanksgiving uh, was 
to thank God. Uh, to thank God for seeing them through, for the harvest that they received. And there was interaction that was positive between the original uh, pilgrims and the, and, the, and the Wampanoag people. And so out of that, that blessing, and, and then eventually the creation of colonies and things that came later, we see when America became, was about to become a nation, where George Washington made it a holiday. Uh, in 1789, uh, he was the first. Uh, and there's uh, Canada also has a Thanksgiving Day. It's earlier in the year. Uh, I think Mexico celebrates it, but it's really just one day, and then that's it. Um, President Lincoln was uh, encouraged by a, uh, a woman by the name of Sarah Josepha Hale. She was a founder of a of a of a basically a magazine and she was basically saying look our country's falling apart this is during the civil war and so he eventually declared thanksgiving day the last thursday of november and then eventually franklin roosevelt made it the fourth thursday and that's how we have today but let me let me back up for a second and, and and talk about what George Washington said when he made the declaration about Thanksgiving now therefore I do recommend and assign Thursday the 26th of November next to be devoted by the people of these states <clears throat> to the service of that great and glorious being and he spelled being with a capital B so we know what he's talking about. Who is the beneficent author of all that is all the good that was, that is, and that will be. That we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation. I get chills actually reading that. Um, and Abraham Lincoln said something similar in 1863. He says, As a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings that do also, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to him his care tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which you are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the imposition of the Almighty Hand capital A, capital H Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and restore to it soon as it may be consistent with the divine purposes to full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union the word beneficent is used twice, each of them use that word, this generous, good God they're referring to, this divine, almighty being. And it was the pilgrims who came here to get away from the Church of England. Initially, they went to, to Holland, but they came here for that purpose, for religious freedom. And it, wasn't, it, was for, it was for God and Jesus Christ, their belief in Him. And so the Thanksgiving cannot be separated from those things, those powerful things, the blessings that were bestowed upon the early settlers. And I don't want to ever forget that myself. And as I read those words, especially what George Washington had to say, the great and glorious being. 
sincere and humble thanks, kind care and protection of the people of this country. And so we've gotten so far away from that, and I don't could make a whole another sermon, and I think a couple years ago I kind of gave a message on that very thing. But the truth of it is, is, and I don't mean to offend you when I say this, but Black Friday's become like another holiday, right? Um, and if that's you, then repent. <laughs> Just kidding. I'll let you deal with the morality of that between you and your maker. But the truth of it is, it has become somewhat of a holiday. And Christmas and Thanksgiving are now merged, and people are offended when the Christmas music is played before Thanksgiving, me included. And the idea that, you know, all of this hustle and bustle and commercialization, but we're, you know, is happening is, it's, we're forgetting the Thanksgiving we give in November, and we look ahead and we see what the advent of Christ coming, and they're connected. And so we have to be mindful of that. We have to remember what this season is all about. And it starts with Thanksgiving. It's not just about food and family, which is, you know, certainly expressions of blessing. Football, arguably, right? Depending on who you're rooting for. We must believe in Him intentionally and sincerely during this period. We must remember Okay, that the people of this world desperately needed him then, and as we're going to see, they desperately needed him in the book of John as the gospel was written, and we need them, and we need him now. And so we're going to see, as we kind of look to Advent this month, we're going to see as Jesus' earthly ministry is about to end, and we're going to look closely at the circumstances there, and that in truth, they're really, in many ways, not that different than the life that we live in the communities we're in now. And so let me encourage you, okay? The Lord loves you beyond your imagination. And if you're walking in Him and you're trusting Him in your life, then be encouraged even more. Because He's with you and He'll see you through. It's not all perfect and as we'll see, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And even if you have stumbled in your walk, don't be discouraged to the point where you walk away or hide or become an isolated individual. That was never the intention. If you feel inadequate, it's a lie. You're not. Because God will sustain you. Lord doesn't, the Lord does not want even one of us to walk in isolation or doubt or negativity. We can trust Him. In every situation. There's a quote that I found that I found profound. It says, God never turns away when we fail. Actually, He runs to us with grace. He runs to us with grace, forgiveness, and compassion beyond our comprehension. Amen. And speaking of grace, today's message is titled, Jesus' Final Appeal. I'm very humbled and excited to bring it to you. Uh, and as I mentioned, I said something about classical music. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that I need any more inspiration than what God provides. Uh, but months ago, uh, I was introduced uh, to an individual by the name of Henrik, and it's pronounced Goretzky, but it's spelled G-O-R-E-C-K-I. 
and he is a composer of classical music in the 20th century. And he lived through the Holocaust. He's from Poland, and he witnessed family members taken and, and all of the atrocities that we know of. And it was during a time when I was studying about culture and biblical worldview where this composer was introduced to me about Christians having impact on culture, creating culture, not letting culture speak to us, but us through Christ speaking to it. And I started to listen to Henrik Gorecki's Symphony Number no. 3, and I almost cried because it was so deep and profound and there's no words it's just classical music but he was a Christian who he was responding to a, a call by the church it was a devout Catholic to to create and compose this music it was defined as a return to beauty truth and goodness in classical music and yes, I actually have a, a whole list of, of playlists of classical musicians that many of you have heard, Mozart, Amadeus Mozart, and Beethoven, and Tchaikovsky, and all those, Brahms. But I had never heard of this person. As I was preparing for this message, I listened to this over and over and over again. And there's no words, it's just the music. And the beauty of the music... And even having heard it many times now, it still, it gets me right here. Because I think about what he was preparing for. He was preparing a message. It was essentially a sermon through music for the purposes of glorifying God. Coming from his history of terrible circumstances to which God like the pilgrims, sustained him and his family. When we think about what Jesus has done for us, when we stop and, and really reflect, the question I have to ask is, how can we not be moved by that? Because Thanksgiving will pull us away from it when all the busyness. Christmas can do the same if we don't stay focused on what it's all really about? How can we not be moved by what Jesus has done for us? And I'm not talking about stuff. And I'm not even talking about family, as good as that is. I'm talking about Him and His sacrifice and His great love and grace and mercy. And so really that's the essence of this message today. And so it starts in John 12... Verses 44 to 50, and if you would be so kind as to grab your Bibles, and if you're able to stand in honor of God's Word, our Creator, I'd like to read our text for today. John 12:44-50. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in Me, Believe not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. 
I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And I know that this commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. This is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. The text comes at the end. We're coming to the end of the year. Uh, we've been discussing the theme of shine. Last year we discussed dwell uh, each month and throughout the months. And uh, they go hand in hand, of course. Our, our ability to shine is to completely dependent on our willingness and our, and our desire to dwell in the, in the Lord, in His Word. It's a relationship. The, the Word of God is not just a book to be read. Uh, these are things we've discussed many times. Our call is to abide in those things, to abide in Christ, to be connected, as Pastor so well illustrated last week, to be, ne- to be connected to Christ. But not just to only be connected. What does that mean? But to, to be willing to listen. Right? To meditate on His Word, to study it, to understand it, and to be connected to Him. Not just talk, but to literally listen to the words. Because God will speak to you. Maybe not in an audible voice, but He will. And to be patient, which is a challenge for most of us. We live in a microwavable society. And that is a challenge for us to wait on the Lord. But that's part of our abiding and our staying close and remaining in step with Him and His Spirit. It may be a struggle. And it may be a challenge. It may be painful. But it's God's desire. And we can be reminded of that when we look at Romans 8. Apostle Paul makes it clear and he he says in verse 25, But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. In Romans 12, 12, he goes on to say that rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in in prayer. And so it's a recipe for each of us as we move into the end of this year and looking ahead. But especially as we enter into this month of December and are bombarded with things that we should have and things that we should do, most of which does not refer to Jesus Christ or God in any way. The opposite of it, actually. So the context of chapter 12 in the Gospel of John is is uh, basically what we're going to focus on today is that this is Jesus' last public speech. His last public message. And that's why the message is titled His Final Appeal. He knows in the coming days what's going to happen. He knows that His betrayal is on the horizon. His crucifixion is on the horizon. The only comments that he makes after that are usually with small groups, his disciples, private instructions, those sorts of things. But there's no more public pleas being made. 
after this text today. He knows he's about to be arrested, sentenced, killed, but he also knows he's going to be resurrected. And thank God we know that as well. Now if we back up contextually, we see that in chapter 11, Jesus had just resurrected Lazarus. Say that again. Lazarus. And there was much chatter about that. And the leaders of the Jewish temple were upset because people were now believing. And they even tried to kill him. Lazarus that was. In chapter 12, in the beginning, we see where Mary is putting the expensive oil on Jesus' feet. And that some of the disciples, and Judas included, are upset about that. Calling it a waste. And Jesus addresses those issues and says what the priority should be. And she had the right priorities. Part of the fear of these chief priests of the Jewish temple were that Jesus was becoming very popular and that it might spark a rebellion. And, of course, this cannot be because the Romans would crush that rebellion in their eyes. Not to mention the fact that someone would believe that this was the Son of God. We know that Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday, was also on the horizon. Because we have the hindsight of it. Jesus knew as well. Prophecy told of that very thing where he was going to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Leading the way to what was about to happen. He explains in the middle of chapter 12 about his impending death and the fulfillment of his greater purpose. And so John's Gospel goes on to explain how some people or might be hardened and blinded to the truth. And so he references, Jesus actually makes reference to the prophet Isaiah in the, in the kind of the midway point of chapter 12. And that takes us to where we are today. Verses 44 through 50. Now Jesus made these claims without any particular context other than what I would say his final appeal to make a decision. In the very beginning, the first words are, Jesus cries out. John wrote those words. The Greek translation is essentially a calling out or a shouting. It was the same usage when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. This is God's passionate plea for us, for them. Now, what Jesus goes on to say, and we'll get into the details here in a moment, that He came to save and not to judge. And that judgment will come. And that's true. And that's the the reality of this text as well. As beautiful as it is that God would plea for us to believe, for others to believe, He also makes very clear that if you don't, what the results are. So let's go dive into our text. 
verses 44 and 45 to begin with. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. And so as I said, Jesus cried out were those first words. This was a wow moment for me as I studied this. It cannot be understated. There is emphasis here that Jesus is making. He's not having a general conversation. He is crying out. Not in a crying out, weak, sissified kind of way. But he's trying to get the attention of those he's speaking to. He knows that this is his last public speech. But those in attendance don't. See, we have the benefit of hindsight. This cannot be overlooked because he wanted those who could hear to hear. If that makes sense. He's crying out. He's shouting. He's giving an impassioned declaration. And he states very clearly that he was sent by God, the Father. We see this again in in verse uh, 46, 45, and 49. He came into the world in the most unique way, which we're going to celebrate in a few weeks. No other person can boast of such an arrival. And we celebrate that. But Jesus existed eternally in heaven, which is the key for us to understand, to grasp. Before he was born on this earth in Bethlehem, he was God. He was with God. And he was sent by God. So in John chapter 1, verses 1, and in verses 14, we see that. It's very clear that he was there at the beginning. There's references in the Old Testament as well that reveal themselves in the New Testament. Jesus and God are one. They are two of the three persons of the Godhead that we believe in as believers. And he makes it clear that he was sent into this world and that he is united with God the Father who sent him. He is acting in a completely submitted fashion to come in and to share this message. That there's only one way to God. He goes so far as to say that to see him is to see the Father. And see, now there's thousands of years of history prior to Christ walking the earth in belief in God, the Creator. Besides Moses and maybe a couple of other unique examples, no one has ever really seen the fullness of God, even even a sliver. And he's saying, you see me, you see Him. So you can imagine how that might be mind-blowing. And to me, when I kind of reflect on that, it does blow my mind. And when I looked at the word see in the way it was translated, it seems to point to gazing upon in a contemplative 
and thoughtful way. Hmm. To gaze upon Jesus is to gaze upon the Father. Now I might think in my distorted mind of cartoons where there's a gazing, that daydreaming or something like that. This is not that. To contemplate on Jesus is to do the same on God the Father. To gaze because of the significance of who we're looking at, who we're contemplating and what He's done in a thoughtful, intentional, reflective manner. And He declares that whoever believes in Him not only believes in Me, but God the Father. He's humbly, courageously providing clarity as to who He is. His conviction. You can see it in His words. He is acting as the clear representative of God on earth. He was sent to do this. To make this proclamation. And they are commanded, as we'll see later, from God. The words of Jesus are the words of God. They're not His. They're His. So the application I might ask you is when we read and meditate on the Word, do we see Jesus? Are we looking at it in a similar fashion? Gazing on the Word who became flesh in a contemplative, thoughtful way. Thoughtfully gazing on God the Father. Knowing that as we see the words of Jesus, that it's literally the words of our Creator, the Creator of the entire universe of all life. Is that how we see it? Does that change your perspective in your daily walk? This is powerful to me. As we read the Word of God, the Holy Word, as I mentioned before, it just becomes more and more clear it's not just reading a book. It is not an academic endeavor. While it can be, we want to be learners. But it goes deeper than that. It is a relationship. And it is that gazing, that contemplation, that thoughtful reflectiveness. When we're looking at Jesus, our Savior, and seeing God the Father at the same time. We're getting a close-up look at God the Father. Awesome. So let's take a few other examples where Jesus said similar things about himself just for clarity. In John chapter 5, he precedes this message and he says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Hold on to that one. We're going to come back. John 14, verses 8-11. through And Philip said to, to Him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. 
And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. It just substantiates what he says in verse, excuse me, chapter 12. Matthew 17, verses 5 through 8. God the Father now is speaking about his Son. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Rise and have no fear. At the Mount of Transfiguration, God the Father spoke from heaven. He said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. This is because He is united with the Father, and He was His sent representative to tell us that very message. Listen to Him. And then Jesus says, These are His words. So it all intertwines. John chapter 1 also Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, or who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. It's abundantly clear that those who claim to believe in God cannot know God without knowing Jesus. This is clear. It's impossible to know the Father without knowing the Son. And this brings to mind those that claim to believe in God with a small g. And I have... As I teach history, and I am humbled to do it because I continually come up with this same concept, their belief in God. And these are different people groups and empires and dynasties and all the rest. Small g. Because the only way to have a relationship with God, the Father, is through His Son. To believe in Jesus the Son is to believe in God the Father. It's so clear, and as Jesus stated in verse 45, to see Him is to see God the Father. All that can possibly be known about God the Father is only possible through Jesus Christ the Son. For anyone to try to know God separately, they just don't understand. You have to see the Son. First, they cannot be separated. And so, to me, when I look at that, it makes no—it makes absolute sense why Jesus was shouting, why he was crying out, basically saying, "There's no other way to the Father except through a relationship with me, to trusting me, to submitting to my words, because they're His words." That's what He was saying. That's why He came to serve, to. Provide the clarity for God the Father. To be His official spokesperson. Fully God, fully human. Because God wants us to know Him. 
but only that can only be done through Jesus Christ. Now I know why he was crying out. In verse 46, he says, I have come into the world as light. And so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And this is the essence of our theme. This is the foundation of the, the shine messages. Of course, it never hurts to go back and look at the foundation of our theme this year in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Jesus said, you are light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Even there. We've read that verse how many times this year? And I'm speaking to myself, so just understand, I'm not... When I'm speaking, it's, it's about me, what I learned, and I'm just humbled to share it. But the good works to give glory to God because of our relationship with Christ. We can shine the light of Jesus and the people who see it will see God. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In Him was life, and life was the light of man men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it this is why Jesus is shouting he is the light he's speaking to people that are in darkness this morning we discussed various types of darkness that they might have been experiencing but what we know for certain is their darkness was that their eyes were covered. That they couldn't see what was before them. The sin that they were living in. I made the analogy of if you go to the <laughs> classical music, go to the opera or let's just say to the to a musical at uh, one of the local theaters, the Mahaffey or the Stras Center in Tampa. And when you arrive, depending on when you arrive, if the lights have gone down, there's a tight window that you can still be seated. And this is why we need the usher, who's got the, the magic flashlight, to get you to your seat. And they're going to guide you to your seat. They're going to find the direction based on your tickets. And they're going to have you seated. Because it's dark. And if they weren't there and somehow you were able to sneak in when they weren't looking, your, your, your motions would be, you'd be fumbling. You'd be reaching. You'd be potentially falling because of the steps or, or whatnot. It's potentially treacherous. You could fall and get hurt, especially if you're going up to the balcony. We need the guidance of that light. The people of Jesus' time needed the guidance of that light. And many of them didn't even realize it. They were basically figuratively reaching, groping, stretching out their hands, shuffling their feet, blindly 
processing and moving through life. And he is crying out and he is giving them the message. He guides us in a darkness, in a fallen world. He came so that those who would believe in him would become children of God. That's the message. He says that earlier in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 12. And we know that he is a lamp and a light. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The world can be a treacherous place. It can be a place that is hard to navigate. And I hope you'll forgive me for what I'm about to share, but it stood out to me. So there's a point in a, in a scene, you know, in, the, in the, one of the later Rocky movies, where he's talking to his own son. It's one that I've shared with my own son. I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. Because he's telling him how tough the world is. And he says, let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody's going to hit as hard as life, but it ain't, gonna, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about hard you, how hard you can keep, get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward, that's how winning is done. Now, it's a movie, and how can I possibly connect Rocky Balboa to Jesus Christ? Yes, the world is a mean and nasty place. It is where there is darkness. And God the Father has sent His Son to preach that very message. Now, the one glaring difference is that the only way to overcome that darkness, that mean and nasty place, and all of the things that we are hit with, is Jesus Christ. That's how we move forward in life. That's how winning is done. But the point is clear. You've got to keep going. The strength that you need, the, ser- the, 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 the service of your heart is available day in, day out by our God. to follow the path that He set out for us. The message is that there's so many living in a spiritual darkness apart from Christ. Apart from Jesus. We can't know God the Father. We can't know how to live in a way that pleases Him. But Jesus was sent to do that. To share that message. To teach. To teach His Word. To teach that He is the light that we don't have to abide in darkness, but we can abide in light, that the veil will be lifted from our eyes and we will see Him. John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's everything. 
It's how we overcome the darkness. Because the darkness loses out every time. John chapter 1 made that clear. And Jesus is saying that only He is that light. And He has told us, because of Him, we're the light also. Salt and light. There is no other that we can stop searching. And of course, as we come through this Thanksgiving week, you know, all of our gratitude that we, the experiences that we may have had, and maybe if it wasn't this year, it was in years past. But we should be extremely grateful for the ministry of Christ. The fact that His earthly ministry came to tell us that He was the light of the world. He's crying out for all mankind, which is us. He's imploring all humanity to look to Him. Because if you see Him, you see the Father. He is representing God the Father and He's saying every word that God has told Him to say. He is completely in step with God the Father, calling us to walk in His light. So a point of application or some questions that came to me were, well, what is the purpose behind your time in the Word? Is your time in the Word a means to be in the light for you? Or to be a light for others? Is your focus self-centered or others-centered? Is it God-centered? Because that's what Jesus is calling us to. To be others-centered. To be ambassadors and witnesses for Him. What a huge responsibility. Talk about calling us out of our comfort zone. As you pray and as you are in the Word, pray that prayer. Pray that the Lord would move you out of your comfort zone to be a window for Him. And again, I'm saying this because I need more of Him and less of me. Verse 47, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Again, we're looking at the advent of Christ, the focus of this coming month and the the celebration of His birth. It's awesome. He came to save. That part we know. And that is an assurance that is so blessed it's, it's hard to imagine. But he says very clearly, he says, I do not judge him if they don't keep my words, for I did not come to judge the world but to save it. What is he saying there? Because I thought Jesus was going to be the judge. There's points of scripture that point to that very thing. But when he came this time, the advent of Christ was to save the world, to share the message, to cry out to all humanity, 
to be the Savior of all humanity. For those who would believe, have faith, and trust in Him. Surrender. As the Son of God, Jesus did not need to be born as a fully human being in order to judge the world. Do you understand that? He didn't need to. However, He did need to be born in order to be our Savior. To fulfill prophecy. He left heaven. He was sent in all of His glory as the Father willed it to be. To be conceived in the womb of a virgin. He was born in Bethlehem as a baby, as we have all been. Not in Bethlehem. He was raised in a dark place, in a fallen world, just like ours. One key difference is he grew up without committing a single sin. He walked in perfect obedience to the Father's commandments. We can't even imagine that. I can't. Maybe you can. Because it's hard for me to to take another step without messing up. He lived in perfect obedience and he took the wrath of God, the sins of the world, on himself. He died in this horrible place on the cross all because He loved us beyond our wildest imagination. And this should be such an encouragement this time of year. This is what it's all about. Make no mistake. For God so loved the world, John 3.16, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Is this not a saying that is worthy of us being reminded every single day? I say yes. And let's not look at God as this wrath-filled God who is only out for punishment of sin. Because we know that that's not true. But sometimes our culture, our upbringing, our paradigms might give that kind of a, a placement in our mind or our heart. But we cannot be that narrow-minded. God does indeed punish. He has made it clear that there will be judgment. He hates sin. He could not be a holy God if He left sin unpunished. But we ask to come into where, where, there are, where our gratitude must come into the frame here is we have a merciful God. He placed all the wrath and punishment for our sins on His own Son who He sent. His sinless, perfect Son. When you read John 3.16 and 17 and you think about that very subject, how can you not be moved? God the Father sent His Son into the world to pay the entire penalty. Past, present, and future. 
This is why it stood out so much to me. Those simple words, Jesus cried out. It makes sense now. Because if you're just reading it, you might just think that he's speaking up. But to me, it's because of that. He's like, I came to save the world. Are you listening? Hear me. God loves you enough to send me. And if you know me, you'll know him. How awesome is that? And the truth is, sadly, that not every person is going to receive that gift. They're not going to accept it. They're not going to seek to walk in the light of Jesus. Despite this outcry, many people will ignore him, just as many did then. This is sobering. It is sad. It does not diminish our responsibility to continue to be the light of the world. It does not diminish our responsibility as ambassadors of Christ to share that message as He called us to do. A point of application, a question is, Jesus cried out to all who would listen. And what will be your approach going forward knowing that this message is a matter matter of eternal Life and death. And if maybe that's something you've thought about before, but you get off center, or maybe something that you'll, that you know, it needs to be rekindled. As my good brother John likes to say, stoke the coals. Will you accept that? Will you share it? Will you do it? Get out your, get outside of your comfort zone. Will you live it? Will you seek to know blind spots that ask the God to reveal those blind spots in your life? Verse 48 and 9. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. 49. For I have not spoken on my my own authority, but the Father who has sent me who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. I want to be clear. We will all be judged by what we do since we've been introduced to Christ. However, the celebration, the reason why we should be the most joyful people on the planet is because we know by trusting Him the judgment on that last day will not turn into condemnation. That we will stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the celebration. That's what He's pointing to. Jesus said, these are the words that the Father has given him. He told him what to say and what to speak. That's where the judgment is. Because the Bible does warn of a judgment. That the wrath of a holy God will be poured out. But as believers, it's not just because of our sin. No. That's bad enough. 
We're all sinners. Not one is sinless. But the judgment will take place because Jesus Christ came to earth and spoke these very words. Throughout His ministry, time and again, the words that God the Father gave Him to speak, and it is those words that are rejected. Those words from the Father and those who don't receive those words and accept it, those will be judged on the last day by those very words that Jesus spoke. That was a wild moment for me. If you go back to, I said hold on to that one, John 5, and I'm sorry I didn't re-up it into the slides there. But John chapter 5, verses 22 and 24. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor, honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears My word and believes Him, My word, hears My word, and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Praise God. It's the words that he spoke. Because they're the actual, literal words of God. And they're literally coming off the pages. They come alive through this book as we meditate on it. I, for one, am humbled and so, so glad that Jesus cried out. To save. To move many to avoid judgment. And isn't it ironic that he himself was judged and persecuted and sentenced to death by people who were unwilling to hear his words. But as Christians, as believers, we do not need to be fearful of judgment and condemnation because we are in Christ. When we look at Romans 8, verses 1 and 2, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We are. The righteousness of Jesus Christ has been imputed into us. It is the words of God the Father given to His Son. Hmm. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will not pass away. We still hear His words today when we read this precious book. But on the last day, every word that Jesus ever spoke will stand as well as the words that we hear through the silent whispers of the Holy Spirit. All those messages that were given to the prophets of old, to the Apostle Paul and the other disciples, all of those who are speaking words that God gave them. All people will be judged for what they knew of what he said 
and what they did or did not do with it. And as it says in John three nineteen to 21 and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. People love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The light of the world has come. He spoke these precious words. You see, the Jewish leaders were rejecting those words. He came to make others create, he created an environment where they have to make a decision. The Jewish leaders were quite angry because there were other Jewish people and leaders who were willing to turn their hearts to Christ. They decided to follow Jesus. The light of the world. In John five thirty seven to forty, goes on to say, "And the Father who sent me has Himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, His form you have never seen, and you do not have His word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom He sent. He has sent. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me." that you may have life. Boy, that verse jumped off the pages. The refusal, or the attempts to find salvation in other things, is that not our culture even today? But the words speak, because they're God's words, God the Father, and Christ lived them out. They bore witness to Jesus. Decide, believe, receive his words. This is the message that he was crying out. What you do will have, will pay, will determine your eternal destiny. In John 15, he goes on to say, If I had not come, verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. There's no excuse any longer. For everyone in this room, we know that. And if you didn't know, now you know. I am so thrilled and humbled that Jesus made this final appeal, this crying out. And that I was blessed to hear it. My question is, will you take this message to heart? Will you seek to know and love Jesus a little bit more each day? By His words in this precious book. Will you be willing to pray for strength and opportunities to share the gospel message going forward? That's big. We're getting to the end here. Verse 50. I know that His commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Jesus came to declare the command of God. These words 
lead to everlasting life. For those of us who have heard it, believed it, received it, trusted Jesus as our King, we know everlasting life awaits and that is so worthy of celebration. He fulfilled the mission set out by God for Him. Jesus did perfectly. He spoke the exact words that were given to Him so that we would have the opportunity to hear it and to decide. Jesus was clear. He was bold. He did not hide. Will we do the same? In love, of course. Right? We cannot use this book to thump people over the head because we know that doesn't produce fruit. Wrap up John six thirty seven to 40 All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of Him who sent me. This is the will of Him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. In John eight fifty one, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So as we're just to, to kind of wrap this up, that Jesus came to speak, was sent and came to speak the words of God. The exact words that he was commanded to give, the Father gave him to represent God, to be his official representative on earth. He came to shine the light of God in a dark, sinful world. To save, to give the message of freedom and liberty from darkness, not to condemn or judge. He came to put all people in a position to make a decision that they will all be judged by the words he spoke. He cried out to the crowd out of obedience for his, to his heavenly Father that we might believe, be saved, and walk in the light. Let's receive those words per- personally. Let's make that our mindset going forward this Christmas season. Let's be certain, be willing to listen to his words and to hear what he has to say to believe what he says about himself and to be faithful in sharing it with others Jesus Christ knows the worst about you nonetheless he is the one who loves you the most take this message be encouraged the worship team wants to come up. That would be great. I thank you for the opportunity to be here, and I want to share with you if that if, if anything I've said that the Lord has given me has moved you to to seek prayer, to seek 
a relationship with Jesus Christ, please don't leave today. Come find myself or Pastor Colin or Rob or anyone in leadership. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for the opportunity to be before You. Lord, as we approach this Christmas season, may we be mindful every step that it's all about Jesus. May we be willing to shine the light of Christ. May we be willing to be reminded of the cry that Christ made, that the words He spoke, Your precious words, is everything we need, that we can trust You fully. And I pray, Lord, that hearts would be touched today, and if they would be willing to come forward and pray, let's do it. Lord, inspire them, please. And all those who might have struggles or concerns, give them freedom from their anxieties. Give them strength to walk through it. Let them know how much you love them and that you're pursuing them and that you are God who cares. We pray these things as we go forward this week. Bless these families. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. And pray, let's do it. Lord, inspire them, please. And all those who might have struggles or concerns, give them freedom from their anxieties. Give them strength to walk through it. Let them know how much you love them and that you're pursuing them and that you are God who cares. We pray these things as we go forward this week. Bless these families. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.